When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. And it's a great day for Bulldog football fans, for sure, as we have four Bulldogs competing for the Super Bowl. How about that? You know, football season ended for me with the regular season. When the Pittsburgh Steelers were eliminated again, I'm getting tired of that, I'll be honest with you. Mike, I love you. But we can't keep doing this, man. We can't keep watching everybody else play for championships. And I understand it's the Kansas City era right now, but when you are the most prestigious NFL franchise of all times, you can't keep having these runs where you don't make the playoffs. But uh, I pulled for Dak, obviously. I was out in New Mexico, watched that game out there, and very discouraged, happy to see they fired Kellen Moore. I think that's a big part of the problem. But really excited for Darius Slay, Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, and Willie Gay. We know for sure that at least two Bulldogs are going to get a Super Bowl ring here in a couple weeks. You watch those games yesterday. I mean, the Philadelphia game against the Niners was just not competitive. And, of course, the Niners down to, you know, water boy playing quarterback. Uh, I really feel like Dallas, you know, probably playing a pretty good game, could have won that game yesterday. But how can you knock what Philadelphia has done this year? And how great it is to see Fletcher Cox. You know, it's a guy that probably could have gone elsewhere and probably made a little more money. But he hung in there, signed a, uh, another deal with the Eagles, and then they bring in Darius Slay, who has been outstanding this year for the Eagles. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. Both of these teams have won Super Bowls, so you, know, you won't get uh, new champions this year. But uh, I'm excited. haven't exactly decided who I'm pulling for, but I'm going to be happy either way because I know that some more Bulldogs are going to get rings, and that's something else we can put there in the recruiting lounge and in the SEAL complex and something else we can celebrate. If I had to call today, I'm probably pulling for the Chiefs. Probably. Probably pulling for the Chiefs. But either way, I'll be happy. Because of those guys, Darius Slay is one that does not have a Super Bowl ring. And so I'd be happy to see Darius get one. I remember breaking his commitment years ago to Mississippi State. And what's interesting about Darius Slay, too, is I go back to when State first got involved with him. He was projected as a non-qualifier. Everybody knew that he was going to be going to junior college. He was originally ranked as a mid-level three-star by Scout.com. And State got involved with him, and Scott Kennedy contacted me, who was one of the godfathers of this industry, and said, hey, Mississippi State should sign and place this kid because he is outstanding. He's an absolutely outstanding player. Nobody was talking about him. Kennedy absolutely loved him. He goes to Northeast Mississippi Community College. has a couple pretty good seasons. Comes to Mississippi State and kind of played the Robin to Jonathan, excuse me, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Banks, Batman, but Darius Slay obviously has had the better pro career, but uh, we're pretty blessed to have two NFL corners on those teams. 
And Darius Slay was probably somewhat underutilized, you know, and of course he tested really well, got drafted in front of Banks. Banks, of course, had a few good years with the Bears, but uh, now Slay won the best in the game. He's a bulldog. So I, I'm not got my feelings aren't going to be hurt either way because Mississippi State is going to win the Super Bowl when it's all said and done. As uh, one astute tweeter pointed out, too, congratulations to A.J. Brown, who will play in the first true bowl game of his career. I like it when you guys get salty, right? There's so many people out there that want this kinder, gentler rivalry. I, I think that's stupid. You know, there's a reason we're rivals. Like, but Steve, isn't it so much more fun when we're both playing for something? No, it's not. It's not. It's not more fun. No. Well, I want the Egg Bowl to mean something. I do too. I want it to mean that Mississippi State wins and retains a trophy and that we're going to a great ball game somewhere and they're watching us and contemplating the coaching change. You can see it however you want to see it, but no, no. Wasn't it so much fun? It was fun for us. Yeah, it wasn't any fun losing that 14 Egg Bowl, I can tell you that. I remember talking to Jim Ellis you know, prior to the Egg Bowl week, and he's like, you know, this season won't be complete without a win over Ole Miss. And it wasn't, and we blew it. And give Ole Miss a lot of credit. When the name Will Redman flashes to my mind, I think of two plays. I think of the pick against Arkansas in the end zone to seal the game, a game that we did not play well, and give Arkansas a lot of credit. They came out there and shortened the game on us and kind of controlled the clock, and it took a busted coverage, and it took a, a pick in the end zone for us to escape with the number one ranking. But the second one is that blown tackle against Jalen Walton up in Oxford in the 14 Egg Bowl. We're about to get off the field. We're about to put that game away. But instead, Jalen Walton runs right in front of me. If you go back and watch highlights of that game, you can see me right there on the sidelines of my camera watching it happen. But we blew it. And give them credit. I mean, I I thought when Vince Sanders left the game with an injury, I said, ah, there's no way, man. But instead... They wore us out. Bo Wallace was hobbled, and you got to give them credit. You know, it's not just about our own ineptitude in that ball game. They made the plays to win. And, and again, the season, as great as it was for Mississippi State, is somewhat marred by that loss. Even though we ended up going to the Orange Bowl, if we had won that game, I mean, you know, what happens in the, the weekend? I mean, you know, you might have made the playoffs. I don't think we would have. I think mathematically we were probably going to be team number five. But it might have given you a, you know, a bit better ball game. Not that the Orange Bowl was bad. But no, no, I'm not, uh, not a proponent of the kinder, gentler rivalry. Not saying it's got to be toxic because I don't uh, you know, prescribe to the Hugh Kellenberger doctrine. Many of you may do so. And many of you have Ole Miss friends and family or whatever. And you, you know, my, my father-in-law is an Ole Miss fan. And we have a, uh, we have a bet every year. A two-liter Diet Coke to the winner, and neither one of us has ever collected. And so in that aspect of it, it's friendly, but no, I don't want Ole Miss to do well. I don't care. Why would I want that? Well, it's good for Mississippi. No, it's not. Just about every problem in this state's history can be traced back to an Ole Miss-educated lawyer. So there you go, right out of the gate, some hot takes right here in the intro of today's Boneyard. I'm back, man. I tell you, I got some good rest over the weekend. Valentine's Day is coming up. I already got all that handled because I am the hopeless romantic. I look forward to this stuff. And I, I thought to myself, I said, man, I've done so much these last few months. She's been gone. What am I going to do for Valentine's Day? How do I top that? I'm not going to tell you what I did. I may tell you on Valentine's Day. And I'm actually going to give her her stuff ahead of time because thankfully she's coming home here in a little over three weeks. 
And so one of her gifts is uh, out there in Albuquerque, so I want her to be able to enjoy that before she comes home. But uh, let me encourage you now, don't wait until the last minute and end up getting through a bunch of pick-through candy and some flowers and you're all stressed out. Valentine's Day is supposed to be fun, even if you don't get anything, right? Even if you don't get anything. It's about showing you know, a special day to show somebody how much you love them. And we should do that every single day. And I love doing those gifts, like the just because gifts. Like you know, back on January 12th, I had um, I'd ordered some Amazon stuff for my wife out there that we were going to use when I came out. And then I sent her some flowers, and I got her a video on Cameo all around the same time. And just so happened, it all was delivered on January 12th. And so I might make that a holiday moving forward, Right. And she's like, what is, what's going on today? I, I just love you, right? I just wanted to do something to, you know, hey, you're working a difficult schedule this week. I want to do something nice for you. I don't think we need to be uh, you know, motivated by, you know, traditional holidays just to go do something nice for people. I mean, obviously it's expected. You know, if you're in love with somebody on Valentine's Day, you better get them something. And there are some people that are going to find out that um, maybe they're not truly the significant other come Valentine's Day, Right. And other people are going to have to go out and buy multiple gifts from multiple people. Well, that's just not me. But anyway, plan ahead. Valentine's Day will be here before you know it. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Man, I love Bulldog Burger Company. I should get them a Valentine's Day gift. I do. I love that place. I love the ambiance. I love the atmosphere. I love the service. I love the menu. And there are uh, so, so many cool things that are happening there. I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm a proponent of, speaking of Valentine's Day gifts, is the gift cards. Go to the Eat With Us website, and you can get those gift cards. Of course, they're available. And, uh, you know, maybe there's people in your life that you love that maybe you're not romantically linked to, and you just want to do something special for them. What a great... Give a couple that you know a night out on you. That's a really cool thing. Mom, Dad, you got a young couple that maybe uh, has a kid at home or whatever, and they don't always get a chance to go on date night. Well, how about you pay for it? And get them that Eat With Us card... They can use it at every restaurant. I would encourage you to go to Bulldog Burger Company. I mean, I like the place. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, A lot of cool things are going on there. And, of course, it's always a great place to go out for friends and for family. You can have an adult beverage. You can have a glass of wine. And you can have that chocolate shake to go. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will, too. And they will love you back. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. It's one of the fine delicacies we afford ourselves. And as always, get the spring rolls as your appetizer. We're trying to make the world a more beautiful place. That's step one in that process. The spring rolls will make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, big win for Mississippi State men's basketball. And, man, it feels so good to win, right? And I'll be honest with you, I didn't expect to win this game. Now, granted, TCU had some injuries. They lose their starting center in the game, missing one of their guards. You know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Nobody ever makes excuses uh, for for teams that beat us. Nobody ever says, well, Mississippi State this. No, no, it doesn't happen that way. I'm mocking a lot today. I don't know what that's about. Maybe it's because I'm feeling my oats, right? Right? Maybe so. Uh, But I didn't expect to win that game, and we did. And it's like, you know, you put it on, you're thinking, okay, this is kind of like the Alabama game. We're playing hard on both ends of the floor. Man, we got a shot. And you start thinking, man, 
when's the last time we've had a top 15 win? And, and me and my buddy Craig Carter talked about that. The last time that State had a top 15 win was 2021 against number 13, Missouri. I submit to you this TCU team better than that Missouri team. That Missouri team came down here, and we got after them pretty good. But, uh, again, I expected to win that game. I know they had that big gaudy number next to their name when we played Missouri in 2021. One of the bigger wins of the Ben Howland era. This is bigger. This is a bigger a bigger win. I think TCU, obviously, <clears throat> having a historic season. They've never been ranked in the top ten, and a win over us would have put them in the top ten. That's pretty remarkable in and of itself. Let's look at the game here. And again, State wins 81-74 in overtime. And the thing that I will say about this team, and I know all of you guys will kind of ratify this statement, we are a tough basketball team. Not just physically, but mentally. We are a mentally tough team. We're not going to quit. We're not going to lay down. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us. We're not going to lay down and just say, okay, well, this is the natural order of things. We should lose. But State, 31-25 at the break, and then TCU comes back and uh, 41-35 in the second half uh, to force the overtime. And I'll tell you, and again, there's so many times you look at this, this game late, and it just felt like, you know, we were in control of the game. We couldn't just pull away and get separation, but it felt like that we were kind of in command of the ball game. I mean, we rarely trailed in the second half. But there were times we did, but we never let them really get any separation. We would always answer. You know, look at the 11, 15-minute mark. Uh, TCU is up four. Xavier Cork with a nice lay in close to the rim there. We go right back down and hit Tolu, and, and uh, he puts it in the basket and cuts it down to two. Next thing you know, we're tied. They go back up two. We make a couple free throws, tie the game back up, and next thing you know, we have the lead. And we're up three as we get to the uh, approach the eight-minute mark. And it's kind of back and forth, and they kind of nip and tuck. And you kept thinking, okay, is this going to be like the Alabama game where we just kind of run out of gas and maybe the better team finds a way? Of course, we're playing at home rather than playing on the road. And I thought the crowd was absolutely fantastic. I mean, tip of the cap to the Bulldog fans that came out and attended that, especially considering how many games in a row we'd lost. I mean, there were plenty of times you could have said, ah, you know what, I think I'm going to stay home. I'll just eat the tickets and I'll just stay home. And nobody could have blamed you for that. But you turned out. And you provided a great home court advantage. And that really made a difference late in the ballgame. Shaquille Moore even said as much. All right, 4.32 to play. State is down four. And I'm thinking we're in trouble. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. The four-minute mark has kind of been, uh, kind of been, you know, our kryptonite in recent years. It's like, hey, we can compete for a while. But when we get late in a ball game, when it comes down – for coaching to take over, we have lost. And that's the thing, too. You can out-athlete people much of a ball game. You get in those final four minutes, that is about coaching. It's about changing defense. It's about drawing up plays. Coaches have to get you home. We haven't had a coach that could get us home. Chris Jans beginning to kind of show some flashes that he can. And again, we're down four here. And Deshaun Davis, arguably his best game in a Bulldog uniform, drills the big three. And I tell you what, off his hand, you knew it was going down. It did. It cuts it to one, and the crowd is ignited. You think, man, we got a shot to do this. 
They push it back out to a three-point advantage after a couple free throws from Jacoby Coles. We go right back down. We run a play. We get it to Tolu, up and in. Nice play from Deshaun Davis here. It is now a one-point game as we approach two minutes. Deshaun Davis drives, lays it up and in to give State a one-point advantage. And then O'Bannon, Chuck O'Bannon uh, from the O'Bannon family that led to this, uh, basically, what, what the infancy of NIL, right? One point a game now as we get uh, under a minute. DJ Jeffries missed a shot here, but we get it. We get the rebound here. It's off one of their players. And we run a nice little play here, a double screen off the inbounds, and Deshaun Davis, just as smooth as silk, drops it in. We're up two. And at this point, we're all thinking, hey, this thing is fixing to happen. This is fixing to happen. Well, TCU ties it up at 66 all with 30 seconds to play. We call timeout. I did not like our play here. And I don't know if Deshaun Davis just tried to freewheel a little bit or perhaps that was the plan all along because he was hot. Let's just kind of let him go out there and create. We'll spread the floor. We'll isolate him. They're playing man-to-man, and we'll see what happens. And we ended up kind of jacking up kind of an ill-advised three. And then we don't get the rebound, and they're able to get the ball back and kind of heave a desperation three that really had no chance. But we go into overtime. And, again, we talk about this all the time in sports. You know, you play for the win on the road and play for the tie at home. In overtime, Mississippi State, clearly the better team. Now, give TCU some credit. They kind of came out there and punched us in the mouth right off the break and get a quick two. And then Shaquille Moore knocks down the three, and all of a sudden the place is electric, absolutely electric. We get a stop on the other end, a block by Ken Matthews, and we go down and Shaquille Moore hits another three. So it's back-to-back threes. In under a minute's time, and we've taken a two-point deficit and pushed it out to a four-point advantage. Still a lot of basketball left here. And both teams got a little bit uh, cold here. Not another basket was recorded until a minute 36 to play. And, of course, that goes away to the Bulldogs. It's Deshaun Davis. Again, just a great game for him. Now it's a six-point game with a minute 36 to go. They hit a three to kind of keep some uh, some anxiety in the stands. And good shot by O'Bannon there. State answers. You go right back down, and you, you find Tolu, who had a good game for us, up and in, makes it a five-point game, which gives it a two-point, a two-possession advantage for State with under a minute to play. And lo and behold, Tolu with a huge block. DJ collects the rebound. They have to foul. At this point, it's about academics. You think, you know what? We just need to make a couple free throws here. Uh, Cam misses the free throw. We end up fouling, and um, they make a free throw, and, you know, it's a four-point game with under 30 seconds to go. They end up having to foul Cam Matthews, who stepped up and made some of the biggest free throws of his Bulldog career. Cam was 66% free throw shooter, something along those lines. Well, he was money down the stretch here after he made that one miss. Back-to-back free throws to push it to six. They go down and take a three. They don't get it. Cam pulls it down. They foul him again. He knocks down two more to push the lead out to eight. And at this point, the celebration kind of began in earnest. It is now a three-possession game with under 20 seconds to play. O'Bannon misses a three. They have to foul again. Uh, DJ makes one of two to make it an 81-72 game. We end up fouling here, which is – yeah. Not the best, but at this point, it's academic. They, they make, down, make both these free throws 
to make it 81.74. So huge win and probably the marquee win in front of Bulldog fans this year. You know, you had a couple of wins earlier on neutral floors this year that are going to help us in the net. Uh, we've got to become Horn Frog fans now. You know, we need them to help us in the net. And again, I did not expect to win this ball game. I think most people said, you know what? This is going to be an 0-2 week. I mean, going on the road to play Alabama and playing a red-hot TCU team, but just beat Kansas. So huge win for State. And I think it really validates what Chris Jans is trying to do at Mississippi State. I think a lot of people see this as like, you know, these are games. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having the outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y, official.com, forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy, E-U-F-Y. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply we ordinarily lose, then 8,643 people showed up on Saturday afternoon and watched us win. Great win. And these, listen, these coaches and players deserve this, right? I mean, we're so emotionally invested. Sometimes we think we have ownership of everything. How many times have we been in a competitive ball game and it's nip and tuck down the stretch and we just haven't been able to finish? We hadn't had the offensive acumen or, or execution to finish out a ball game. But instead, Shaquille Moore 
with a couple of huge shots from Mississippi State. Absolutely huge shots for State. And he is streaky. He is. But uh, let's look inside the numbers here. Tolu, 37 minutes of action. You know, and he and Will McNair have been kind of splitting time. McNair just eight minutes for us just at one point. But uh, the way Tolu was playing and the way that we're able to establish a position deep in the post, you didn't need to pull him. 11 of 13 from the floor, 5 of 6 from the line, 13 boards, 27 points, an outstanding effort. Absolutely outstanding. This is the Tolu we expected and hoped to see this year. And he's been inconsistent. He has. In recent games, he's done better, kind of averaging a double-double. We stayed out of foul trouble, headed out a couple of assists, five total, had four blocks in the game. These are the kinds of games when NBA executives sit down to break down Tolu Smith. This is what they want to see. They want to see more of this. And that's what you want to see, too. So congratulations to Tolu, who was our player of the game. Deshaun Davis, 39 minutes of action, 6 of 11 from the floor, 4 of 8 from 3, 16 points. And we need some better guard play. We got some on Saturday. That was a difference in the ballgame. Shaquille Moore, 29 minutes in the starting lineup. Again, 4 of 9, 3 of 6 from beyond the arc. Pulled down a couple of boards, 11 points, and it dished out five assists. Cam Matthews just doing the grunt work. I tweeted this out. Cam Matthews has got to be one of the most unselfish players to ever wear the Mississippi State uniform. He's out there setting screens. He's out there rebounding, doing the grunt work, not really filling up the box score, not a prolific score. But he's always getting caught doing something right. Every so often, he'll make a frustration foul. But Cam Matthews, in many ways, kind of embodies the Mississippi State story. Kind of under underappreciated as a recruit. Then he comes down here, and he absolutely competes on both ends of the floor every single night. Played all 40 minutes. Three of six on the floor. Did miss a three. Four of six in the line, and all four of them were huge. Pulled down ten rebounds. Nine of them on the defensive end. Stayed out of foul trouble, a couple of assists, a couple of blocks, three steals, and 10 points. I'll take that from Cam Matthews every single night. What an Iron Man, man, because that guy kid plays with such energy. DJ Jeffries, 38 minutes. we got to get more of an offensive uh, contribution from DJ. 0 of 7 from beyond the arc and just 2 of 12 from the floor. Just 6.6 rebounds. I mean, he's playing hard, but there clearly is something off mechanically you know, with the shot. Maybe it's shot selection, I don't know. But we're not getting the offensive contribution from DJ. But I'm listen, I'm not going to sit here and be negative in a game that uh, that State won that we weren't expected to win. Tower Stevenson off the bench, pitches in 10 and 14 minutes of action. Also four big free throws. State 16 of 23 as a team from the charity stripe. And 7 of 24 from beyond the arc. Pulled down 42 rebounds. Now, granted, their starting center was out, so that certainly helped us. We out-rebounded them by nine. When you're going to be around plus 10, you got a good chance to win ball games. Not much question about that. State with seven blocks in the game, just two for TCU. But 81 points. It's, you know, we, we don't score 81 points very often. And, uh, again, some big free throws late. But uh, we needed the extra period to get there. But uh, great effort from the Bulldogs in every aspect. And so now you start thinking, okay, as we were all expecting to have an 0-2 week and kind of enter this this next week thinking, you know, kind of with desperation, now, now there's a little lift in our step, right? Now you start thinking, okay, we've won one of these big ball games. We've knocked off a ranked opponent, and we have played several. 
And we finally break through and we beat one. Represent the SEC. Appreciate everybody with that SEC chant. I don't chant that during football season. I don't. I don't care if anybody in the SEC wins their ball game other than us, unless you're playing for an NFL championship, right? I like them to win the playoff games. It's more money for us. I'm selfish, man. I'm a will to power guy. If it's not good for Mississippi State, I don't. I'm not really interested in it. All right. So Tuesday we'll be back in action against South Carolina. We return to Humphrey Coliseum this Saturday against Missouri. Missouri's playing better. But you start looking at this and think, okay, we've got a three-game stretch here that could really turn the season around. If you can find a way to win at South Carolina, then you get Missouri and LSU both coming in here, you got a chance to make some racket. And you said, but Steve, there's no way this is a tournament team. Well, you know, I'm not ready to give up on that yet. You know, I said beginning of the year, I hope we make the NIT. I still kind of feel like we'll be an NIT team. I do. And considering that, you know, the adversity we faced, that's probably the best we can hope for. But we could easily be on the bubble. And I think that's at this point, that's the goal. It's just be in the conversation. And I think this three-game stretch here is a big part of that. Now, South Carolina not having a good year. 8-13 and 13 overall, 1-7 in the league. They've lost five games in a row. They got off to a pretty decent start. They win the first three, including a win over Clemson, 60-58. to 58. Always good to win the rivalry game, right? I guess that first game was an exhibition. But uh, get off to a two-game winning streak. Then next thing you know, they kind of go in the tank a little bit. They lose three in a row, including one to Furman, our friends, the Paladins. They bounce back against another in-state opponent, UC Upstate. They lose to George Washington. They beat Georgetown in the Capital One Arena in overtime. Shows a little moxie there, right? They beat Prez, and then they they lose to UAB. They lose to East Carolina. They bounce back and beat Rick Stansberry and the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. They go get Scott Weatherby in Eastern Michigan, too. And then you get an SEC play. And this is where things have not gone well. They lose at Vandy. They get blown out by Tennessee. We've been there. But they got blind at home. They go on the road and beat Kentucky. Not a great Kentucky team this year. But there's always talent on that team. So anytime that you can win in Rupp Arena, I don't care the circumstances. You know, that, that's something maybe you want to get a souvenir program to commemorate. Then the very next week, the very next ballgame, excuse me, that's Saturday, they lose by 41 to Texas A&M. At home. Dreadful. They didn't lose to Ole Miss, which that is a rarity this year uh, for Ole Miss to get a win on the men's side of things. But Ole Miss got them. They did. They didn't lose to Auburn, lose to Florida, lose in overtime to Georgia, and now they'll play Mississippi State. And so this is a game you absolutely have to have. This should, this game, listen, I understand we're not an offensive powerhouse, but this cannot be a game – that we go out there and just kind of go lackadaisical about. We've got to go out there with some urgency. We've got to go out there and compete at a high level and win this ball game. Simple as that. We have to win this game. This would be a terrible loss for Mississippi State. South Carolina is 6-4 and four at home this year, 2-5 and five away uh, from Colonial Life Arena, and then 0-4 oh on a neutral floor. So, again, a golden opportunity for State here. Then you come home – you know, for a two-game homestand on a two-game winning streak. 
And so, you know, you can't win the next three without winning the first one. So Tuesday, we got to go win that game. That's a 5.30 tip, too. 5.30 p.m. tip. That'll be on the SEC Network. And then this Saturday, it's Jeff Malone night. I guess it's Jeff Malone evening. It's the 5 p.m. tip also on the network. And then we have LSU that Wednesday. So let's focus on that. These three, of course, one at a time here. But all of a sudden, when you look at this thing and you start thinking, if we can find a way to win these three, all of a sudden you're 16-8 and eight and 4-7 and seven in the conference with a pretty favorable conference schedule down the stretch. Of course, you know, the loss to Georgia is bad. The loss to Florida is bad. We can't change that, but you can change what it means because we have played exceptionally hard in every one of these ball games down the stretch here. You know, we should have won at Auburn. We didn't. I won't say we should have beat Tennessee, but we certainly flipped the script and played a whole lot harder against those guys. We should have beat Florida. We couldn't throw it in the ocean. And we probably deserved to win that Alabama game. But that stretch, even though you put together, you know, that you know five-game losing streak there, I think we learned a lot about ourselves, and I think we kind of got over the hump on Saturday. So I don't, I don't want to oversell Saturday, but I think this could be a turning point in the season just because it was so unexpected. I mean, not that we were competitive, but we found a way to win, and we out-toughed them in the end, and we simply had more in the tank late in this ballgame. So let's go string some wins together here and start feeling good about men's basketball. And again, I've told you guys all year, I, th- I have no doubt in my mind that we have hired the right coach. We're headed in the right direction. And that's a big win. This is a really, really big win. We always talk about the marquee wins, right? These are the, you know, the wins that kind of define a season and a coach and a direction and trajectory of your program. These are the kinds of wins that do that. We hadn't had a lot of those to speak about. Ben Howland's record against the top 25, absolutely abysmal, absolutely terrible. Not that Jans has been great this year, but it's year one for Chris, and this is a building block, I think, for the future. Our time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That is C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is my friend, your friend, a friend in the mortgage industry. If you're looking to purchase a home or perhaps refinance your home, get a second mortgage, whatever, uh, Blair is the way to go. 21 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back years, and top 1% close ratio in the country. Not just in this Sequina County. It's licensed in multiple states. We've had several Boneyard listeners that have closed loans with Blair. So it's not just uh, an advertisement. This is a guy that's doing good business for good people. And you don't have to be a Bulldog fan. There are a lot of other fans of other schools, namely the, the school up north, that listen to the show. And Blair's willing to do business with you, too. All you have to do is let him know you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. How about that? It's about a $500 value. Reach out to Blair today on his personal cell, 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Go check him out today. You'll be glad you did. Blair Chandler of Fairway Mortgage. Getting things done. Coffee's for closers. He drinks more than his fair share. All right. I'm very proud of today's top 10 list. It was a challenge. And I like to really challenge myself. I reached out to some friends of mine and that, that love music and some people that are in music and said, dude, I'm putting this list together. I know it's a minor thing for you, but I want to do a good job with this. So we've got some classic rock stuff here. We've got some modern rock stuff here. 
So basically, the premise of today's top 10 list are bands who changed singers and names after having some measure of commercial success. And I don't mean like, like in the beginning, like Black Sabbath was called, uh, you know, something completely different, and they changed it to Earth and then became Black Sabbath. And they're bands like that. You know, they, they, you know, you could say, well, they changed their name, but they didn't change a singer. And I wanted to get people that had, had done something. They'd been on the radio. They'd sold some records. They changed singers and names to rebrand the band and then had success. Does that sound easy enough for you? Because people say, but Steve, ACDC, they didn't change the name of the band, though. Bon Scott obviously was a great frontman. Bon, sometime we death, led to Brian Johnson. And so ACDC, in many respects, remained the same band. They just changed singers. And like Foreigner or other bands have done that. I mean, they keep their branding. But some bands out there have sought to distance themselves from the previous branding. And it may be because of the, you know, maybe you had a singer that was uh, not good. Or maybe you had somebody that did some negative things and you want to distance yourself from perhaps some negativity associated with the earlier band name. I don't know. But it was a very complicated topic. I had to spend days and days thinking about this. And you say, Steve, it's just a top 10 list. Well, we aim to please here. One of the bands that didn't make the list, Dream Theater. Dream Theater was originally called Majesty. And when their demo tape dropped, like everybody was talking about it. Everybody, everybody was talking about, hey, there's this new band. Um, They've got some cool things that are working. They sound a little bit like Queensryche, but they may even be better musicians. They all met at the Berkeley School of Music. And, uh, of course, uh, Mike Portnoy, I think, is uh, one of the best drummers of his generation. Al Petrilli was part of this band from Alice Cooper. Incredible group. And they changed singers and eventually became Dream Theater. So I just wanted to kind of give a tip of the cap to them because they're probably the best modern progressive rock band out there and been doing it for an exceptionally long time. If we had gone, we would probably go with Pull Me Under. Probably go with that one. All right, number 10. Now, some could argue this should be higher on the list. And let me explain my thinking why it's number 10. Mother Love Bone became Pearl Jam. But Mother Love Bone really didn't have a ton of commercial success until after the grunge scene exploded and really after Pearl Jam kind of took off and then Mother Love Bone's album Apple kind of became a thing. And I had that VHS around here. Matter of fact, uh, Dan and I spent our last 20 bucks for payday to go buy that at Sound Shop in Hattiesburg at the Cloverleaf Mall. We wanted it so bad, we had food to eat, and we get paid the next day. Well, let's go spend our last 20 bucks on this thing. We did. I still have it. I don't have a VCR anymore, but uh, I still have the VHS tape. But uh, I love that Mother Love Bone album. Uh, Crown of Thorns is fantastic. But uh, the songs today are going to be from the bands they became. And so Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard were in Mother Love Bone. And so it's kind of like it wasn't exactly the full band with the new singer. And so that's one of the reasons they're farther down the list. Not that I'm denying their impact by any stretch, because Pearl Jam, obviously, in many people's eyes, the 90s rock band. The 90s rock band. You could make an argument for Soundgarden, but Pearl Jam uh, outsold them. But uh, we're going to go with Black off of the 10 album, Black. All right, number nine, a band that's special to me. And uh, this song is special to me, and I think I may have shared this with you guys before. 
But uh, you know, I love docking. I did. I still rocking. I'm still rocking with docking. I've got a docking shirt I wear regularly. I went and saw them prior to the quarantine, and the band that opened was George Lynch's side project, Lynch Mob. So docking was ready to record after Back for the Attack, which was a tremendous success for docking. I think it's probably, and I know, I know I'll get some messages about this, but I think when you factor in production value song quality, and the fact that the record company really put some money behind it. I think Back for the Attack is the best docking album. And I know people are like, oh, well, Steve, what about Tooth and Nail under lock and key? They're great. I think the production value on Tooth and Nail is lacking. I don't think the record company did that record justice, even though I think there's some amazing songs on there. I mean, Just Got Lucky is one. When Heaven Comes Down, incredible. And then Under Lock and Key was really kind of a breakthrough for them. And that was part of the MTV era. They're riding down, uh, you know, the Hollywood Strip on the back of a flatbed truck, and they're playing It's Not Love, and it was great. But I think Back for the Attack was huge because of the fact the record company really cared about the direction of the band. Well, Don didn't. And then Don and George and everybody kind of went their own separate ways, and so they had all this material written that George had put together. So Mick Brown, the drummer, and Jeff Pilsen, who's not a bass player and foreigner, they were all in dock, and so all they did when Don left was hire Annie Logan. And they put together Lynch Mob. And uh, there's a song that it was very important to me in my recovery. And um, when I first realized that I still wanted to live and I wanted to find a way to get better, there's a song called Bed of Roses that uh, was very instrumental in the soundtrack of my recovery. And I named my oldest son, Annie, after Annie Logan, who was the lead singer in Lynch Mob. So my son's legal name is Ani Logan Robertson. And then ironically enough, when Ani left Lynch Mob and put another project together, it was called uh, Violet's Demise, and eventually this became the Logan Robertson project because he teamed up with Rowan Robertson from Dio. And so I tracked Ani Logan down on the uh, Al Gore's internet and sent him a message on his website. His wife messaged me back, next thing I know. Uh, I got a copy of the Logan Robertson CD, and they sent a signed picture to my kid. I told him my story, and uh, it was amazing. And I uh, never had a chance to meet him. I was in Biloxi, and I've met George Lynch before, and I've met Robbie Crane and other guys, but never been able to meet him. So one day, maybe. Maybe. All right, so again, Better Roses from Lynch Mob number nine. Number eight, you know, for those of you that uh, have been longtime Boneyard listeners, we used to play a song called Pride from Emphatic, and I still listen to that. I love that song. Uh, I've, Patrick is my friend on Facebook, the lead, former lead singer of Emphatic. He's now with a band called Arson City. Well, Patrick had some vocal issues, and a lot of it's because of the strain he puts on his vocal cords and uh, couldn't tour, and so Emphatic had to miss some dates. They eventually parted ways with Patrick and rebranded the band as Through Fire. And so the big hit for Through Fire was Stronger. And they've had a couple of big hits. I know a lot of people really like that band. I think I like them better with Patrick, but I do like Through Fire. But number eight is Stronger from Through Fire. Again, Emphatic was about to absolutely explode. Absolutely explode. That first album, Damage, amazing. If, if you can get your hands on it, they're from Omaha, Nebraska. I've been to the record store downtown just blocks away from from what used to be known as TD Ameritrade Park. I've been at a record store, and just even though I already had it, I bought it again. I bought the Emphatic Damage album in their hometown of Omaha just to, to throw some support to those guys. All right, number seven, Days of the New. 
probably one of my favorite karaoke songs to sing, right? It's Days of the New. Well, they, uh, they, they had a singer that was an addict. There was all kind of problems. So they fired him, and then they became Tantric. They went out and hired Hugo, and I think Tantric is by far the better band, even though Days of the New had, that hu- had a couple of huge hits. But Tantric, those guys are legit, man. If you don't know them, listen to them. We're going to go with the breakdown, because I know the breakdown's coming. Number six, this is one of Roy's contributions to our list today. And I did the research here to kind of make sure, even though the song is a little different. So the Jefferson Airplane, kind of the, some of the godfathers of uh, psychedelic music in America, uh, became of a rock band. You know, Grace Slick joined the band. Paul Cantner was part of the band. Of course, Paul and, and uh, Grace had the, the amazingly beautiful daughter, China Cantner, who was a, uh, a VJ on MTV. Well, they made a singing change, and they changed the name from Airplane to Jefferson Starship, and eventually made another vocal change and brought in Mickey Thomas. Uh, so we're going to go with Jane, and, and, and listen, I'm going to tell you this too. This is one of the, be- the coolest things I can do for you today. Go to YouTube, those of you that like the song Jane, and we talked about Mike Portnoy earlier. He and Dino and uh, Joel Hoekstra from Whitesnake covered that during the, it was my favorite quarantine cover. The cover of Jane with Portnoy and Dino and Joel is incredible. I think it's better than the original. I absolutely do. And I rarely ever say that, but it is. Number six from Jefferson Starship is Jane. Number five, a band that we've talked about here on the show many times. They used to be known as the Gollywogs. Before that, they were the Blue Velvets. They had released a few singles and 45s on Fantasy Records. Record company absolutely hated the name the Gollywogs. They eventually brought in a guy by the name of John Fogarty. Tom used to be the singer, and they bring in John. Changed everything. And so the Gollywogs became Credence Clearwater Revival. So we're going to go with Fortunate Son, which is my favorite CCR song. Uh, As Tom says, he could sing, but John had a sound. And that's the thing. You know exactly who you're listening to when CCR comes on the radio. All right, number four. Now, this is a bit of a stretch, but you got to hang in here with me. Because anytime we got a chance to celebrate Freddie Mercury, we should. So Freddie Mercury was a student and uh, kind of got enlisted into a group of people to go see this band called Smile. That was Brian May, Roger Taylor, and uh, they were really good. They weren't great, but they had built a big following. They were on the verge of getting a record deal. And that's one of the reasons I would say I probably should have them lower on the list. Or, or higher, depending on what you how you want to phrase it up. But the band called Smile was really, really popular in England. It created a big buzz in the college rock scene. They ended up hiring Freddie Mercury. He convinced them to change the name to Queen, and the rest is rock and roll history. Her Majesty the Queen. So we're going to go with Killer Queen today is your number four song. Killer Queen from Queen. All right, number three, my friend Seth McRae. Pointed out to me that I was missing some a couple of obvious ones. And this is one of them. In the ashes of what was once Guns N' Roses, and there's talk about us getting a new Guns N' Roses album this year. How cool is that? And let me, let me take this opportunity to say, those, you people that are criticizing Axl Rose for uh, that emotional and difficult performance he had at Lisa Marie Presley's funeral of November Rain, man, get over yourself. Wasn't a concert... And Axel's lost a lot, obviously, right? 
But he was performing for a friend. It was an unexpected loss of Lisa Marie Pressfield. He had made a commitment to her years ago that he would sing that song at her funeral. If she passed suddenly, he did. He's singing for a friend. He's not singing for all of us. And so get off of his back. But after Guns N' Roses broke up, Matt Sorum, Duff McKagan, and Slash put together a super group with Scott Weiland called Velvet Revolver. My favorite song without question, one of my favorite songs of that decade, is Slither from Velvet Revolver. And again, great, great song here. And I think it's it's quintessential slash. It's amazing, amazing guitar-wise. I thought Scott Wilde did a great job, too. Matter of fact, I like some of the Velvet Revolver stuff better than the Stone Temple Pilot stuff. I think Slash and Duff brought out the best in Scott Wilde. All right, number two. And these last two are some of my favorite bands, too. I love all these bands, but uh, these last two. So Creed... You guys are well aware Scott Stapp had all kinds of struggles. They kind of branded themselves as a religious band, and then all of a sudden he had all this off the field, off the off the stage drama. He got involved with drugs. He got involved with uh, groupies and things like that, and kind of painted himself as a hypocrite. In many respects, he was. And eventually, Mark Tremonti and those guys decided, you know what, we've got to move forward without him. They did. They had most of the material ready for a follow-up album. And they went out and hired our guy, Miles Kennedy, who is amazing. I think I would venture to say the best vocalist of this generation, in many respects, especially since Chris Cornell's passed away. But uh, the greatest living vocalist in the modern rock scene is Miles Kennedy, in my, in my opinion. But the, the debut single from um, the first Alter Bridge album is Open Our Eyes. And that's Alter Bridge is basically created with a new singer. So that, that kind of fit what we were looking for perfectly. Tremendous success is Creed. Tremendous success is Alter Bridge. I think one could probably suggest that uh, one of the most successful bands to pull off that switch. Number one, though, when we mentioned him earlier, Chris Cornell. The Rage Against the Machine had the falling out with Zach De La Roca. A lot of that stemmed, too, from an incident that happened at the Video Music Awards. If you're unfamiliar with that, I'd encourage you to go watch on YouTube. Uh, Tim, the bass player climbed up on stage and got up on top of this contraption that was on stage and rocked it back and forth. Zach was very upset about it. That kind of led to the demise of the band. They were already in a bad place. And Zach's a guy that doesn't like to draw attention to themselves for silly stuff, and that was definitely silly. And Tim was intoxicated, embarrassed Zach. The next thing you know, Rage Against the Machines no more. They had some material put together. Next thing you know, they go out and uh, find Chris Cornell, who was on hiatus from Soundgarden, and put together Audio Slave. And if you don't know those Audio Slave records, I encourage you to go listen to them. They're some of the best material in the Chris Cornell catalog. I think his vocal performances in Audio Slave might be as good as anything he's ever done, solo or with Soundgarden. I, I think... Um, there's so many songs that I think of where I think Chris did a better job of emoting and not just screaming, right? Mac, I think back to that single soundtrack with uh, Ritual. You know, I think Chris kind of oversang that. But I think Chris used his low register and put himself in a much better position as a singer with Audio Slave. And I think maybe I think Tom Morello had a lot to do with it. And there's rumors out there there's about two albums worth of Audio Slave material just kind of laying around. And we know there's another Soundgarden album out there, so we do expect to get some more Chris Cornell music in the years ahead. I wish they'd go ahead and release it 
And I understand, too, that uh, there's a, some acoustic stuff that Chris had demoed that's not been released. You know, they released the album No One Sings Like You Anymore here a couple of years ago of, of covers that Chris did. They were fantastic. I understand there's probably two to three more albums of that. They've got to you know, remaster it and that kind of stuff and mix it. And uh, I guess whenever maybe the family needs some money, maybe you just roll it out then. I, I don't want to you know, assign motive or anything, but the, but the reality of it is, is there is still some Chris Cornell music out there that has been unreleased as a solo artist with Soundgarden and Audio Slave. And so number one is Audio Slaves, and we're going to go with I Am the Highway. I Am the Highway. But uh, I may not have said it, but Open Our Eyes is number two from Alter Bridge. But uh, I Am the Highway, uh, some of the best lyrical content of Chris Cornell's career, in my estimation. And basically, it's one of those things, too. It's like it's basically like a relationship, right? It's like, you know, you see me as this, but I'm really this. You know, I'm not your rolling wheel. I'm the highway, right? I mean, it's, there's, so, there's so many great lines in that. And there's so many people out there that I think don't fully appreciate the genius it was, Chris Cornell. But that's your top ten list. And again, it took us a while to get there, but uh, I'm happy with the list. And I'm confident one of you is going to say, hey, Steve, you forgot about so-and-so. And I'm going to kick myself for it because I've devoted a lot of time and energy to this and talked to a lot of people because I want to do a good job with this. But um, that's how I see it. Top ten bands that changed singers and names and went on to commercial success after the rebranding. Uh, and hiring the new singer. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. You can do it on Twitter. You don't have to DM Roy. You can just tweet us. doesn't have to be that formal, right? Uh, Roy is a dogmatic 6-7. D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C 6-7. And, of course, I'm at Scout Steve R. Thanks so much for your support of, of the top 10 list over the years. Many people have said, you know what, Steve? I've learned a lot from listening to these lists. And that's part of it, the gift of music. So I appreciate that. Other people said, Steve, I just fast forward through it. I'm not a music person. That's cool, too. That's fine. It'll save you about 15 minutes a show. But I appreciate celebrating rock with you guys. And, um, you know, we look forward to being back with you on Wednesday with a fresh new top 10 list. And we'd love to incorporate your ideas. So reach out again and let us know. And eventually we'll get to it. All right, next segment of the show brought to you, as always, by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villigan institution. Next time you're in town, go by and see them. They're on the backside of campus. Very easy to find, plenty of parking there. Matter of fact, a lot of our commuter students park there for free and then just walk to campus. How cool is that? What a great service that proves to be. Go by and check them out. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. Matter of fact, I took a care package uh, out to New Mexico last time I went. Very pleased with the purchases, as was the recipient, my lovely bride. Wanted to get that Mike Leach shirt, got her two, right? Got the crew neck and the hoodie. Going to be repping out there in Zach Arnett's hometown for a few more weeks. And then we'll have her back here. Thank God. But be sure to check them out today, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, as great as the men's win was over TCU, we had a, a really difficult loss uh, yesterday on the women's side of things. And uh, the game was really over before it truly began. And, you know, we'd won three in a row, and then we'd lose to Ole Miss at Ole Miss. And, again, a tip of the cap to them. They're just better than us. But we got absolutely shelled at Georgia, 62-34. to 34. 
I mean, that's, I guess that's the, probably the one disappointment for me is that we have not been better offensively. And Georgia, a team kind of our contemporary right now, right? And it's tough to go on the road and win in its league, regardless of sport. But uh, we certainly expected a more competitive game. That's a game we could have won. We never scored more than 11 points in a quarter. But this game, in many respects, over after one period of play. It's 21-5. to And when you get down 16 in a women's basketball game, you typically lose. You know, uh, me and the illustrious hind dog talk about this regularly. You know, that's the one thing where you see a lot of blowouts in the Power Five is in women's basketball. I mean, there's a big difference between the haves and the have-nots. And if you go out there and have a difficult night, it's not just going to be a tough night. A lot of times it's going to be an embarrassing night. And that's what happened to us yesterday afternoon. At the break, it's 31-16. to So while they didn't build on the lead in the second period, they're able to maintain most of it. And then they come out in that third quarter and nearly double us up again, 21-11 in the third period. And at this point, it's academic. The fourth quarter, it's just a matter of playing out the string. Final score, 62-34. Bulldogs fall to 15-7, 4-5 in the SEC. And Georgia right there with us, 15-8 and 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 4-5 in the SEC. And you look at the standings and you think, well, how does this happen? How how does a team lose – 62-34, 62-34, we just simply couldn't shoot. Just 12 of 45, 12 made baskets in the game for Mississippi State. You're not going to beat anybody with 12 made baskets. I don't care who you are or where you're from. Maybe in middle school basketball, but you're not going to win in a Southeastern Conference road game by making just 12 shots. 2 of 15 from beyond the arc and then 8 of 14 from the free throw line. We pulled down 32 rebounds, and you think there's plenty to be had with all the missing shots, and they still out-rebounded us 33-32. to We didn't really get in a lot of foul trouble, just 13 team fouls for the entire game, but 27 turnovers. 27. Now, we forced 21. But when you're minus six on the road, it's going to be tough. Just a one-block shot. We had seven steals. They had 11 steals. And it pretty much seemed like they could do whatever they wanted to do. We couldn't. We just couldn't get it done. These are the kind of games that a road fan support. And, I, and my hope is that you will hang in here with the ladies because I still think we're a team that can make the tournament. But you can't have games like this. And we've had a few of those this year where you just kind of you don't show up. Alana Smith leads Bulldog nine points. We didn't have a single score reach double figures. Jessica Carter just eight points. We've got to do a better job there with her. Nine turnovers in the game for Jessica. Nine. So a third of our turnovers come from her, and that's just not being able to handle the basketball in a low post. Got to do a better job there. And just two rebounds. A terrible game for Jessica Carter. She has to be a star for us, and she wasn't. Now, Georgia was clearly intent on taking her out of the equation. They did, and nobody else really stepped up around her. Anastasia Hayes, 31 minutes of action, just four points. Can't have that. Absolutely can't have that. Uh, DeBrescia Poe, 26 minutes of action, three points. Jerkalia Jordan, just two points. I mean, how does this happen? I mean, you begin to think about this. I mean, did not a single scorer got in double digits, and then many of our starting five had less than two baskets out of 12. Jerkalia Jordan, 0 of 9 from the floor. DeBrescia Poe, 1 of 5 from the floor. Anastasia Hayes, 2 of 5. So you get three combined baskets 
from three starters, you're going to get blown out. That's exactly what happened for us. We were two of 12 in the first quarter, three of 12 in the second, four of 10 in the third, and then three of 11 in the fourth. It, 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 it boggles the mind in many respects. And then again, 13.3% from beyond the arc. Georgia wasn't much better, but they were six of 18. It's one of those things you look at and say, you know, I didn't see this coming. I thought this is a game that we could easily win. And maybe easily is the wrong uh, adjective there. But for us to go down there and get embarrassed the way we did, it, it does not inspire a lot of confidence. And again, there's been some up and down with this team. And Sam's recruiting well. We're going to be fine. Again, I'm a a big Sam Purcell fan. But games like this just simply can't happen. You can't repeat these kinds of games. You just can't. You know, it's like you look in SEC play, you know, that's kind of the albatross there. I mean, I guess Ole Miss has gotten us both times. They have. And you go on the road and and you lose to Tennessee by 11 and you lose to Ole Miss by 11, but the reality of it is is those teams are expected to be pretty highly regarded when the NCAA tournament uh, bracket comes out. And so you hope this is just kind of, uh, you know, an outlier. But it wasn't good. Now, the good thing is we get to come home and uh, play Tennessee. <laughs> and so, yeah, you get the home game, Mississippi State, but it's going to be one of the better teams in the country. And then we got to go to Florida. So you got to find a way to at least get one of these. If you can get them both, life's a whole lot better. But you got to go at least one and one this week. And then on on Sunday, the beginning of next week, so we're going to play three games in seven days. You got to get two of those three. You got to you got to get Florida. You got to get A&M. A&M is not a very good team. So all of a sudden you get those two, you look up and you're six and six, you know, with basically, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, a month left to play. You know, that, that's just kind of how it all looks here. But um, I guess it's not correct, though. We're going to play Monday, February 6th. And so, yeah, we'll play, uh, you know, three games in a matter of seven days, but that'll be next week. We're off the rest of this week. And the break probably comes at a good time. So a week from today, we'll be hosting Tennessee in Humphrey Coliseum. We encourage you to come out and support that. That's National Women and Girls in Sports Day which is a wonderful thing. As, as a girl dad, of course, I've got two boys too, but uh, very supportive of my girls' passions. And so let's turn out, bring your daughter to the game. How'd that be? That'd be fun, for sure. But uh, we got to do a better job. Simple as that. We have to do a better job kind of putting this thing together. And we will. You know, again, I don't want to be too hard on the team. Sometimes you have a bad day. And that's the thing that I have learned about team sports is that sometimes the collective psyche of a team is pretty fragile. And it's like if one person has a bad day, it kind of starts going downhill for everybody else. And that's what you have to do is develop some mental fortitude to be able to fight through that. Pick somebody up. We talk about that in baseball all the time. You got to pick them up. You got to pick them up. You know, women's basketball – it's kind of like that, too. When one person is rolling, it's like everybody else kind of follows along. It's a very streaky and emotional game at times. And so we've got to figure it out, and we will. We will. Again, very, very much a proponent of Sam Purcell. And uh, yeah, nobody deserves to be judged for their worst moment nor their best moment, right? It's kind of those in-between moments that really illustrate who you truly are. We're a good basketball team. We're not great, not elite, but we're a good basketball team. And we do play hard, even though we didn't really show that at Georgia. 
So I suspect what we'll see this week is Sam kind of get their legs back under them. And people forget sometimes, too, this is Sam Purcell's first year as a head coach. Now, Chris Jansen's been a head coach before. He's been through the peaks and the valleys. And so Sam is kind of figuring this thing out as the leader. Not a leader on the staff, but to be the leader. So just hang in there with us, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll win some games here down the stretch. And I still think we got a chance to sneak into the tournament. But we can't afford to have many more games like that uh, by any stretch of the imagination. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico. Very easy to find, conveniently located off Highway 12. You turn off 82 on a 12, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. Go through the four-way stoppers, Portico right there on the right. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. Phase one completely sold out. Phase two underdeveloped, but now some of those homes are sold. Some still available. There's also some lots that you can choose and then have a say in your housing plans. Maybe you need a custom build. They can accommodate that. This is not a cookie-cutter community, despite what you may think. So if you need some special accommodations, mate, they can handle that. The person to call for all your information is Brooks Bryan, former Mississippi State Diamond Dog, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between. How cool would it be to be that close to campus? Your friends and family can stop by on their way to ball games, Or better yet, come spend a night with you when it's over, right? Wouldn't that be great to have everybody under one roof for a while? Mom, get out there and make that biscuits and sausage in the morning. Maybe a little egg. Yeah, it'd be cool, right? Be like old time's sake. Make Portico your next move. All right, National Signing Day is Wednesday. And I tell you, the more years that we have the December signing period, the less emphasis there is on January visits and February signings. Now, State could very easily get a couple, and we're going to talk about that. We had three official visitors over the weekend. Now, the first one is uh, Ryland Gouda. And I've had three different people send me pronunciations, so I, I, I resorted to Google. And so Gouda is how they pronounce it. It is of German descent or German origin. But Ryland Gouda, leaving the University of Georgia, will be a summer enrollment. So we think that he will announce a decision sooner rather than later because he doesn't have any other official visits set. His girlfriend, also a collegiate volleyball player, is also being recruited by Mississippi State. They both visited this weekend. And they were riding around, according to our Paul Jones, kind of looking at apartments afterwards. So we feel like that is just kind of a matter of time that both of those players join the ranks of the Maroon and White. But transfers do not sign a national letter of intent. And they're not officially announced by the university until they officially enroll. So in the event he chooses Mississippi State, and you see the edit out there, don't be dismayed if he is not released as a signee on February 1st. And then you'll be thinking, will they ever announce this? Well, it won't happen until he gets here, which will be in June. So it's important to understand that. You may see him commit, but you won't see him announced uh, for, you know, five months or so. I guess four months. Time gets away from me. I'm old. 
But, yeah, we do feel really good about him. I think it's a matter of time before he announces because there's a lot of factors here. Of course, uh, he and his girlfriend obviously are very serious about each other and about their relationship, want to continue to be together. And so it's kind of cool to see that happen, kind of a package deal for Mississippi State in multiple sports. And how many times does that work against us, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's a rarity that it even happens, but it just never seems like we get them both, right? It seems like the girlfriend always goes somewhere else. But uh, – that's neither here nor there. But, um, you know, State needs some tight ends. And uh, as Kevin Barbet has said, you know, he's going to kind of build the offensive attack based on the tools that are available to him. But you need a tight end. A lot of people are saying, hey, Antonio Harmon this. We don't know what they're going to do with that. I mean, you, Barbet may have a completely different vision for him than we do. And you don't have to be tight end heavy. That may be something you address in the next class. And, of course, there's always the spring portal. The portal window reopens May 1st. It ends the 15th, and so you'll have a couple weeks there to get those late entrants into school and then on your campus for summer workouts. I don't expect there to be a lot of drama for incoming traffic. You know, of course, there will be some other guys leave the program. Address that many times on the show. So don't be surprised when it happens, and don't overreact on social media and go fire off a tweet just to make yourself feel better. There are going to be some players that are really not going to contribute here they're going to lead the program in May. And that's not necessarily an indictment on them or their ability. Sometimes you get down behind the depth chart. And, and college athletics is a very unforgiving proposition. It's so difficult to fight your way back up, especially when like, an, like somebody a year younger than you passes you on the depth chart. So barring an injury, you're not going to catch them more times than not. It's a rarity to see that happen. But there will be some more transfers. And we do expect there to be some announcements uh, – you know, sooner rather than later from the university on some of these guys that have enrolled in recent days. All right, the big name that we're talking about as of late is Jonathan Davis, a 6'5", 295-pound defensive lineman from Lawrence County High School there in Monticello, Mississippi. Uh, Down there in God's country in South Mississippi, right there kind of tucked away off Highway 84. If you travel through there, the highways are pretty good, just not many places out there to stop and get gas. Jonathan Davis is a guy that has really kind of rose to prominence here, and it's probably the most important in-state recruit at this point. You know, 247 Sports recently elevated him to the number six player in the state. I don't know that I agree with that. Uh, And one thing that I would say, that's not necessarily, again, criticism of him. I just don't like making these big jumps this late in the process. What that tells me is maybe we didn't do a good enough job evaluating before. Right. I mean, I mean, sometimes, too, you like to see a guy pop up late because all of a sudden he can kind of add to your uh, you know, your recruiting rankings. But uh, he is a very talented player. And again, we should have done a better job uh, early on uh, with him. But it seems like every year there is a guy that pops up late. You know, a couple of years ago, it was John Lewis from Germantown that ultimately signed with Mississippi State. A lot of people thought he was headed to Ole Miss. And so Jonathan Davis got the offer from Coastal Carolina, took an official visit there. Then Texas and Bo Davis gets involved. He sets an official visit with them. Mississippi State then offers Zach Arnett, Tony Hughes, go in, convince him to cancel the visit to Texas. He sets the OV for Mississippi State. And then out of the blue, Ole Miss offers. That's the thing we've learned about a lot of in-state kids. When, uh, when State offers, that generally means you get two SEC offers because there is a little bit of this uh, follow the leader type thing uh, with the folks up north kind of pithy about those guys today for some reason. I don't know what it's about. Um, 
But be that as it may, uh, Davis took an official visit to Ole Miss in the midweek. And I understand one of his high school coaches went with him that is a guy that's closely aligned with Derek Nix. But he's also a huge Ole Miss fan. And so, you know, he's kind of working for them, I guess, in some respects. And I, I don't want to uh, misconstrue that to suggest that he's doing anything improper. That's not exactly what I'm suggesting. But sometimes there are people of influence that around somebody's recruits that may not be Mississippi State fans. And so they're going to say, hey, this is where you should go. Now, playing time appears to be a big deal for J.D. And when you look at what Mississippi State has lost and what Ole Miss has, you would think maybe early playing time favors them. But when you look at the fact that Ole Miss has done absolutely nothing over the course of the last decade or so to really develop defensive linemen, you can say, well, maybe Mississippi State's the way to go. And not to mention the fact David Turner is back. Dave Turner, of course, a guy that uh, you know coached Chris Jones, coached Fletcher Cox. Matter of fact, he played Josh Boyd and Fletcher Cox side by side as true freshmen, and both of them ultimately made the National Football League. Uh, Dave's a guy too that was instrumental in the recruitment of Jeffrey Simmons. Didn't get a chance to coach him, but he did land him, and so. When you consider all the great defensive linemen that are coming in for this 2024 class, what a great time to bring David Turner back. I mean, who in this neck of the woods has the resume as a recruiter than David Turner and a developer of talent? And so that's something, of course, that's been pointed out to Jonathan Davis. Now, I'm told that the family favors Mississippi State, but ultimately they're going to let him make the decision. He's the one that's got to live with this, right? He's the one that uh, when he's on the bottom of the pile and get his hand stepped on and you know, he's late turning the paper in. It's not going to matter what everybody else wanted. It's going to matter what he wanted. And so early on, the discussion was that he was a Mississippi State fan and always wanted to play here. Now Ole Miss has gotten involved, and so the, the picture is somewhat cloudy compared to what it was. Now, I, I will tell you this. I was told late last week that he actually told Ole Miss on Thursday that he was committing. And they wanted him to cancel his official visit to Mississippi State. They're like, hey, well, if you're committed to us, then you don't need to go there. Now, I'm getting that secondhand. Obviously, I wasn't in the middle of those conversations. But that's what I'm told, is that he was so enamored with the visit and the way that they rolled things out that he, he thought, hey, you know what? This is going to be good. However, he had made a commitment to take the official visit to Mississippi State. His family said, hey, you know what? Glad you had a good time. How, but we need to go honor our word and take the visit to Mississippi State. So I'm told like yesterday that now he's confused, which is a good thing for State, right? Because you know, Ole Miss gets a bump from their visit, and then State gets a bump from their visit. And so that's what you want to see happen. You want to confuse the issue. Now, he's got to make a decision sooner rather than later. And I'm told in the end that the family will sit down today and have some more discussions tomorrow, and that he will announce his decision on National Signing Day which is Wednesday. And again, this is a guy, I really like his tape. He was hurt a lot this year. But if you watch his tape, a guy that big doesn't ordinarily move that well. So this is a great late get. And he's kind of put together a nice little run of offers here late. But this is a guy too. A lot of people are expecting him to go to Mississippi State. I think ultimately it works out too for State. But I've seen some people kind of forecasting this as some kind of slam dunk. Guys, Ole Miss has made this awfully interesting. I mean, we went from a situation where you know, kind of the reporting was is that Ole Miss tried to get in the door with him and, and couldn't get anywhere to him taking 
an official visit and then him reportedly offering a private commitment to them at the conclusion of his visit. And so to suggest that, oh, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. And that's what recruiting is. Recruiting is rarely a tidy undertaking. It's a lot of work. And sometimes they dislike the other guys more. And, you know, some, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, these official visits and this happens and this happens. You know, sometimes it's not, it's not so sinister, right? You know, sometimes it boils down to, hey, this is a chance for me to play. You know, there's a lot less competition here. And I believe in myself, I can go make it happen. A chance to play in a Southeastern Conference and to play early, I'm going to bet on myself. And maybe that's the easier, softer way. You know, the other side of it is like, well, hey, David Turner has coached some of the best defensive linemen in the National Football League right now. And so I can follow perhaps that same developmental path. And maybe I'm the next guy going to the Super Bowl. That's always a possibility, too. So there are pros and cons to both State and Ole Miss. I mean, it's easy for us as Mississippi State people to point out all the negatives about Ole Miss. But the reality of it is, is even though they didn't have the year they had hoped to have last year, I thought they actually exceeded expectations um, considering what they lost. But I think you also have to look at the fact, too. It's like you wouldn't come to Mississippi State to be a doctor. And, and chances are, if you're serious about engineering, you wouldn't go to Ole Miss to be an engineer. And so if I wanted to go to Ole Miss and maybe be – an offensive lineman, maybe a wide receiver. Makes sense because they have put some of those guys into the National Football League. If I want to be a defensive lineman, maybe even a linebacker or a corner, I I go to Mississippi State. I mean, there's a tradition there, right? And then then you've got the guy that helped build the modern-day tradition back in the building. And so, you know, for me, it's an easy decision, but it's not my decision. You know, maybe you disagree. I do think things will work out, though, and Jonathan Davis will ultimately pick Mississippi State. But there are going to be some anxious moments between uh, now and then on Wednesday. So there will be a little drama in some respects on Wednesday. I think it's important to kind of understand you got some cool things that are happening. And uh, Jonathan Davis, you know, again, a guy that uh, I don't know that um, maybe got talked about enough. Now, another guy, and, and I, don't, I don't agree with his ranking at all, considered by many to be the top corner of the Alabama All-Star game in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, is Will James from Theodore, Alabama. Really like him. Obviously, I have some friends in the industry that uh, think an awful lot of him. He had a broken collarbone this year, so he missed some time. And I'm told if he had put together a full senior season this year, that there's a chance that, um, you know, Auburn, would have been more serious about him. I understand they recruited him early on. And um, he actually commits to Southern Miss very early in the process. Very, very early in the process. And the fact of the matter is, he would have been a Power 5 guy playing in the G5. That's important to understand. There are a lot of these guys, too, that kind of make themselves a senior. It's very difficult to do. But he committed to Southern Miss way back in March. He jumped in that. And then uh, next thing you know, some other offers come. And then he puts some good things together on film as a senior. And really that Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Week, I think, kind of jump-started things again. He took an official visit to Indiana. 
and uh, eventually got the offer. Colorado has now offered here in recent days, takes official visit to Mississippi State. Uh, I think he's going to go to Mississippi State. Now, I want to I share something else, too. I don't know how things get out there sometimes. And we're all at the mercy of our sources, right? I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, that's, that, that is life in the media industry. You are only as good as your sources, so you work as hard as you can to develop the most reliable sources possible. And even then, sometimes you get bad information. That's how it happens, especially in recruiting, because you never know what teenagers are going to do. You don't you really understand all the factors in a young man's decision-making process. But there was some talk out there that he may be a preferred walk-on. Let me just tell you, that was never true. And the flip side of that is, too, think about this for a second. Why would a guy with Power 5 offers turn down those opportunities to graduate debt-free to walk on and pay his own way at Mississippi State? This wouldn't happen. It absolutely wouldn't happen. And so it's important to understand that Will James is a very good prospect. Six foot, 180, could play some safety for you. The guy can really play. And when I look at this DB class, it really excites me. And I think adding Will James to the class makes sense. You, you always save like a best available scholarship for offense and defense. And maybe you use them both on defense with Jonathan Davis and Will James. I think you could get them both. I think you absolutely could. But if you look at Will James' tape, you're going to say, well, why does this guy only have seven offers? And why is he ranked in 84? And I'll tell you, I think injury's got a lot to do with it. But I also think, too, when guys commit early on to G5 schools, I don't know that they get properly evaluated. And then the next thing you know, they pick up a Power 5 offer late and then everybody's like, well, there's no way this ranking's right. Well, I think sometimes people just say it's kind of a default ranking in many respects. And then you go back after the fact, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Why didn't he get properly evaluated when he was committed to Southern Miss? And that's one of the things I think we've got to do a better job of. We've got to do a better job of that. Because you can't come back later and say, oh, well, now he's going to an SEC school. He should be an 88 or an 89. And so you want to fight that perception as much as you can. That's why I think, you know, the tape hadn't changed a whole lot, right? I mean, you, and I understand there's thousands of kids out there you got to watch tape of. You know, I had a territory when I was with scout.com. And we had to work to get tape. We didn't have huddle back then. And so you had to get out on the road. And sometimes you go to a high school and you'd bring your, uh, your DVD dubber. And you would dub every game they had because not only did you want to see their players, you wanted to see their opponents and sometimes if I had a school that I couldn't get film from, I would find a school they played and go get the game tape from them. And you watch about a dozen kids a day, you write up scouting reports, and you send it in. And you hope you're right. You hope you got the right games. So it's an inexact science. But I think you can't just go out there and say, okay, well, he's committed to Southern Miss in March. Let's put an 84 on him. And then all of a sudden late, he's picking up all these Power 5 offers. Oh, well, now all of a sudden we like him. You know, I just – I don't think that's correct because I think you watch the film and you evaluate based on the film and not the offer sheet. There are other people that disagree. There are some people that just want the college coaches to do their work for them. I'm not going to mention any names. We've had some guys in Mississippi in recent years that uh, I thought were just okay. And then they get some big out-of-state offers and everybody's like, oh, well, this kid must be great. I'm like, look at the film. I don't believe that offer is committable. It might be a glorified invitation to camp. 
But all of a sudden, you put, you know, you put a four-star on this kid, and then ultimately he signs with the school and he flames out. And next thing you know, he's in a transfer portal or enrolled in junior college. Like, oh, he's a former four-star. Well, I think the validity of that four-star is called into question in many respects. If the film doesn't match the offer sheet, chances are the offer sheet's not real. It's important to understand. The film doesn't lie. Kids lie. Parents lie. High school coaches lie. College coaches lie. There's a lot of uh, you know, falsehoods in the process. The film never lies. You turn the film on, what do they do when the band is playing? When the Friday night lights come on, what do they do? And I've seen a bunch of these combine heroes. You know, I used to sponsor combines around the state of Mississippi. And you see a kid out there, and he runs good, and he looks good. And you're like, man, why in the world does this kid not have offers? And you go watch his film, and you realize that he doesn't have any contact courage. He's scared. He's a 7-on-7 player, hoping to play in the Southeastern Conference. And that's just not how life works. And then you go see a guy like Will James, and I don't know that he's coming to Mississippi State. I think he is. But I would not be the least bit hesitant to take this kid. In the least. Same thing for Jonathan Davis. The fact that players of this caliber are still available in the talent pool at this late date is a good thing for Mississippi State. I think Will James can play. I like his length. I think he fits the vein of the Mississippi State DB, a guy with a a great catch radius. And I do think that he's a guy that will probably bulk up and slide over to free safety. But give me the guy that can play the football. I mean, this guy, again, this was Southern Miss probably thought, you know what, we have absolutely died and gone to heaven here by getting this kid early. And then all of a sudden he gets dinged up in the season. You're thinking, okay, okay, maybe we can get this thing into December. He's not going to have a chance to put a lot of things on film. The next thing you know, he goes to Mississippi Alabama All-Star practice and absolutely shows out in front of all the national scouts. And everybody's like, what? This kid's going to Southern Miss? All due respect to Coach Will Hall and his staff. Man, it's like those guys trying to pull a fast one on us. And they nearly did. And the fact of the matter is, is this kid probably would have decommitted long ago had he put together a full season. Just because of the fact that I think the offers would have been a much greater supply for him. So I'm not going to sit here and sell you on, um, on Will James. I'm just going to tell you to go watch the tape. Just go watch the tape. You don't have to take my word for it. You know, years ago when the uh, Max Fingers of the world and uh, whoever it was, you know, they put their recruiting rankings out there. You just, hey, well, this guy's the expert, so he must be right. And then you go look back at those old magazines two and three years later and say, what was this guy thinking? You know, nowadays you don't have to take anybody's word for it. That's one of the things that we prided ourselves on when I was with Scout is we want to have video of everybody. Our competition didn't. And so if we ever had a guy on the commitment list and didn't have video, it became like an obsession for me. I'm going to go get this kid's video. I don't care if we only get a minute of highlights. We're going to go get this guy's video because I want our subscribers to see what this kid looks like. And nowadays it's much easier. You know, because everybody's on huddle. It wasn't always like that. We used to have to go work to do it. I think that's one thing that separated us from our competition. So we're totally obsessed with it. And so I share that with you because, again, all three of these official visitors this weekend, I think, could ultimately be Bulldogs. You know, I, I think Will James is probably the most probable to be a February 1 signee from Mississippi State. J.D., I still think it's going to work out, but – I. I admit I'm still a little bit nervous about Ole Miss. You know, and again, not not for maybe the reasons you all are, but I think, you know, if, if I'm a young guy that wants to play right away, 
Now, all of a sudden, you got Pete Golding, the former Alabama defensive coordinator there, and he's going to say, hey, these are all the guys we put in the National Football League. We know a pro prospect when we see one. That's you. We would have offered you at Alabama, right? I mean, that, that's the story. You can't quantify that, but you know what I'm saying. That's recruiting talk. And so, yeah, I think it's irresponsible to discount Ole Miss's involvement in this because I think they are very much a possibility. In the end, I think State's going to win out. Now, there are some people that feel even more confident about that than I do. And I think, you know, we all talk to different people. And uh, I, I, can, I can promise you the people closest to him will tell you he's undecided. Now, that's not to say that these people won't be ultimately proven right. Because all we care about, is, it doesn't matter who leads today. It's about who gets a signature on Wednesday, right? But that's something that we're going to watch here for the next 48 hours. And so you need to go over to jeanspage.com and be sure to uh, keep up with us over there. And uh, we'll be all over it. But uh, could see some late additions to the class. And I think that's an important aspect of it, too. I think, again, it shows Zach Arnett and them are not resting on their laurels. They're continuing to look for good players. And you guys know as well as I do, you know, a defensive-minded coach, we're going to put some of our best athletes on defense. And you're always going to be looking for guys that are difference makers. And I think Will James and Jonathan Davis could be. Maybe not initially, but I think these are guys, after a couple years in the weight room, could be frontline starters in this conference. And Will James, in many respects, has kind of been overshadowed by the recent talk about Jonathan Davis because you think, how in the world is a guy – this big and this freakage of an athlete still available at this late date. But don't discount Will James or sell him short. That kid can really play. And I think that he is a dude that would probably have been an all-conference performer at Southern Miss and ultimately gone on to the pros if he'd stayed healthy. The kid's really good. And, again, just go watch the tape. All right, if you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com and you can get all my sports books there. It's Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. Blooms of Oleander, my book of poetry, available through Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, BooksMegan.com, or through your local bookstore. They can go order it for you. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. Maybe that's what your sweetie wants this year, ladies. Or maybe, gentlemen, maybe drop a hint that you want a Stark Villain t-shirt or hoodie. You need one. I mean, February baseball is miserable. You might as well rep the brand and be comfortable. Stark Villain Hoodies is always available at StarkVillains.com. Uh, and listen, we're running a uh, flash sale at jeanspage.com, 75% off an annual subscription. Uh, be sure and come check that out. If you're not a subscriber, you certainly should be. And that way you can keep up with a lot of this stuff kind of as it happens. We, you know, we, we share what we know when we know it. And uh, we're more than happy to do that. It's part of the gig. And the question that I ask many people all the time, too, and I don't mean this as like a criticism of my peers, but where else would you go for Mississippi State information? Who else is out there breaking news about Mississippi State? I mean, things have changed an awful lot since I got in the industry. I mean, years ago, we would never have a big story like, you know, any of this stuff. We'd have recruiting stuff, but we wouldn't be breaking big team news. It always went like to the Clarion Ledger or Tupelo Doe Journal. When's the last time those, those media companies broke any big news? And, again, that's not an indictment on those people, I mean, of the, my peers on the beat. I'm just saying there has been a shift in the way people receive news. And I think, you know, we take a lot of pride in what we do. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's better connected than we are. It's not to say we get them all right. We don't. And there are sometimes, too, people that we depend on kind of go out of their way to kind of cover their tracks and ensure that uh, they protect a secret. We love to be able to bat a 1,000. It doesn't always work that way. 
And I'm looking forward to seeing so many of you out at Duty Noble Field here. 18 days. Is that right? 18, 19 days? Is that right? I mean, I'm ready to go. I don't know how you guys feel, but I am ready to see this team get back on the field. And uh, we've got a lot of baseball coverage coming over the course of the uh, next couple weeks as we get ready to go. I know many of you are excited about March Madness, and uh, I hope that we're a part of that on both sides. I'm not expecting it on the men's side, but I still think the women could get there. But, you know, we're a baseball school, and uh, we're a baseball school that loves football and kind of likes basketball, especially when we're winning. And so baseball season is kind of like a rite of passage around here, and you know how it is. It's like once we get into the season, it kind of dominates the conversation, and rightfully so because we are a blue blood of college baseball. We have a NAFL championship under our belt, and uh, it's time to go get another one. I don't think it comes this year, but the reality of it is I think we're going to have a quality product on the field. I think it's going to be a team you're going to be proud of. All right, that's going to do it for today. And again, let me remind you, if you haven't started your Valentine's Day shopping, do it now. Don't stress yourself out later. I've already, matter of fact, it, over the, since we've had this show, I've already sent my big Valentine's Day gift to my wife and I already talked to her. I paused and talked to her and said, hey, here's what you're doing. And just so you guys know, give you an idea. I got her a spa day at an a, uh, organic spa out there in uh, Albuquerque. And uh, she'll go and get her nails done and uh, get a facial and all that kind of stuff and let her be pampered for a little bit. And I'm happy to do that uh, for her. But that was my gift to her. And I've got one more thing up my sleeve that, I, that she doesn't know about yet. But uh, I went in and gave it to her now because she is leaving, of course, at the end of February. And so I, didn't want, I, I figured there will be other guys that will be giving that gift too. And I didn't want her schedule to be uh, limited. I don't want her to be stressed out trying to get an appointment. So I already gave it to her. So maybe it's an idea for you. Because I can guarantee you this. If your relationship is anything like mine, if your family is built in any way like mine, even though I've got a lot going on and I travel a lot, the driving force in our family is my wife. She's a great mother. She's a great wife. And she does so much for so many other people. I wanted to do something special for her that she's never done before. She's never had a facial. And uh, so think about that. When you, when you think about your gift giving this year, try to find something that is very thoughtful. And, you know, there's so many women out there that do so many things for us. And it's such a thankless job at times. And you may do a good job of that. But to do something special like that for them, to give them a spa day, or maybe, you know, even do it for them and your daughters or for them and their best friend, you know, Whatever, make it an experience, make it an event. But uh, I like to go over the top, and I encourage you to do so too. Always make a big deal about your significant other's birthday and holidays and things like that. I think it's, a, I think that is the joy and whimsy of life. Sometimes is being able to give wonderful things to wonderful people. All right, until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.